When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Tom Butler. I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And you're listening to the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us on this journey of discovery across the world of the 007 movies as we take an encyclopedic look at cinema's greatest spy films. We'll learn about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind. From Ken Adam to Max Zorin, with occasional detour down a few rabbit holes, and we'll sometimes be joined by guests with unique insight into the world of Bond. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the James Bond brand, Eon, or the Fleming Estate. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we do get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail, email us on podcast jamesbondaz.co.uk. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. If you want to support the podcast, we have a coffee page at ko-fi.com forward slash jamesbondaz, and you can find the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the James Bond A to Z podcast where M is for Miss Moneypenny, the secretary to M, Bond's boss, who has appeared in 23 of the 25 official James Bond films and also both the unofficial James Bond films. My name is Tom Butler and joining me as we take a look at this indispensable Bond character is a man who's never taken me to dinner dressed like this. In fact, he's never taken me to dinner at all. It's Mr. Brendan Duffy. Hello. That's a lie. He has taken you to dinner. He has, yeah. And I know he'd like to ditch the like me to ditch the usual repartee because he's in a hurry. It's a man who knows how to cook a beautiful angel cake. It's Mr. Tom Wheatley. Hello there. <laughs> do you? Uh, I could do. They're not that hard, are they? Right. <laughs> Can't imagine so. So pop quiz, guys. Which yeah. of the two Eon Bond films does Money Penny not appear in? Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Quantum. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> That was an easy one. Um, but let's kick things off. Um, so we're going to be talking about Money Penny. But when let's think about um, when you think of Money Penny, who do you think of? Lois Maxwell every time. Yeah, Lois Maxwell. Yeah. Maybe to a point, Samantha as well. Samantha Bond. Why, like, what is it about um, Lois Maxwell? I guess it's because she did the most, right? She did 14 films as Money Penny. Is that fair? Yeah. I think, yeah, but I don't think it is just that. I think it's because she is just fantastic, especially in the early films. The relationship she has with Bond is just spot on with what you want from um, from that relationship. It's like, an, uh, it's funny, it's playful, but it's still quite, it's believable as well. 
Yeah, I, I, it's it's not just because she's done the most. It is because of the relationship, and and you know she had the relationship with Connery, and then the relationship with Roger Moore. Just it just felt like she was a, a staple of those films, a, a constant, wasn't she? Like, like Desmond Llewellyn as Q, like Bernard Lee as M, yeah, yes, uh, Lois Maxwell yeah. as as Money Penny was part of the original fixtures and fittings, wasn't she, of the series? Yeah, um, and so I think that's natural um, to associate the two. But also, I think, having watched, um, I think a lot of us are doing, uh, going to the cinema and seeing the Bond films on the big screen, a lot of us seeing them for the first time, but seeing Lois Maxwell as Moneypenny in Doctor No and From Russia With Love, it seems like that it's, the, it's the most pure version, or the, like the version that I think Moneypenny is meant to be. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think um, they cast those two to work together. So there's, there's no, that it was it, they were designed to work together, and they really got that casting right. She is the perfect counterpart to Connery because she's just charming enough and just um, playful enough with him for it to really work. They, it looks like they do have a fondness for each other, um, but also you can kind of see th- that it could work. You know, they they could actually be in a relationship from those early ones because you think it it works quite well. I think in the later films that doesn't quite work because they don't tend to look like with Roger as well. Roger, she was never hired to work with Roger, um, so that was didn't quite work. But uh, I think that's just, yeah, it's just perfect in that first that first one, and they, I don't think they've ever really matched it. Maybe to an extent, Brosnan and Bond, uh, Samantha Bond. Yeah, the irony is is that. Um, uh... Lois Maxwell did have a prior relationship with Roger Moore. She they they uh, trained together at RADA. Um, mm. other, another irony is is that when um, Lois Maxwell was cast in Doctor No, she was offered the chance to play Sylvia Trench um, mm. and rejected yeah. it to play Money Penny instead. Um, and like I said, she went on to play the role in fourteen films. But did you know that Lois Maxwell only appeared for a total of twenty minutes in the James Bond films? And according to Roger Moore, something about that, spoke yeah. fewer than 200 words throughout the whole series. But what words they were. <laughs> well, I imagine there's a lot of overlap. It'd be interesting how many unique words that was. Probably like 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure someone's done it. Yep. I don't know if I want to know the answer. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but I thought that was quite interesting uh, that that was the, the case um, with her. As mm. Like I said, we all consider her to be the... Um, the the iconic money penny. I mean, there may be people out there who see Naomi Harris as the as the quintessential money penny now, but it, we'll get to that. Um, but I feel like it's a very different relationship yeah. uh, between the two. Um, now Fleming, I don't know if you knew this, referred to Money Penny as his second favorite character in the John, James Bond books, behind Bond, of mm. course. Which again, I thought was very very interesting, and we'll come to the origins of the character and and why perhaps he felt such fondness for her in a second. But another pop pop quiz question. Do you know Moneypenny's first name? Only, only in the re- most recent films. And in the diaries. Jane. Yeah. So there's two, isn't there? Yeah. So in the in the recent films, it's Eve. Yeah. yeah. And then in the diaries, uh, a book which was published, a spin-off book, it was Jane. So, mm. um, yeah, I guess it just shows that there's... As we discovered with the James Bond lexicon, there's obviously lots of different versions of these characters, and the canon is all over the place. 
with these things. But yeah, so um, she's obviously a hugely important character. We'll try and do her justice here. We will have talked about Money Penny in lots of different episodes as well. So um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll cover in every pretty much every film episode apart from Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. So uh, if you want to learn more about Money Penny beyond this, then uh, hit up our film specials. Right, let's dive in and look at the origin of Money Penny. So this is her introduction in Casino Royale, the very first Ian Fleming James Bond book. Said Miss Money Penny would have been desirable, but for her eyes, which were cool and direct and quizzical. And so later, talking to Lois Maxwell, Ian Fleming said, When I wrote Miss Money Penny, I envisioned her as a tall, elegant woman with the most kissable lips in the world. You are her. Um, but who or, or what was the inspiration for the character? So in the early drafts of Casino Royale, Miss Penny, Money Penny's name is Petty, Petty Pettival. Uh, and that name is said to have been inspired by a lady called Kathleen Pettigrew, who was the secretary to the longtime head of MI6, a guy called Stuart Menzies. That was changed in later drafts of the books to Miss Moneypenny. And the name Moneypenny may or may not have come from an unpublished book written by his brother, Peter Fleming. Um, I think it's called The Set, S-E-T-T. Um, but that book was never published. and But there is a character in that called Miss Moneypenny as well. So um, Now, there's a number of different real-life people who are said to have inspired the character. There's no definitive uh, person who um, she's said to be based on. So I'll just run through uh, some of them here. Um, so one of them uh, that inspired Moneypenny is a lady called Vera Atkins, who was a Romanian-born uh, woman who was the assistant to section head Colonel Morris Buckmaster at the Special Operations Executive during World War II. Um, she was an intel intelligence officer just through her role. She actually recruited and trained a lot of the op operatives who performed op uh, spy operations during World War II. So that's one person. Um, another one is a lady called Dame Victoire Risdell, known as Paddy. And she was one of Fleming's colleagues at the Naval Intelligence Department again during World War II. Um, and Fleming, apparently, when uh, he was on his travels during World War Two, he, like Bond, he would uh, often bring her back silk stockings and lipsticks. Um, so you can see there's a, possibly a few people here who uh, inspired the character. Someone else is a lady called Joan Bright, who is a lady that Fleming um, dated in World War Two. From 1941, she was basically responsible for uh, the Special Information Centre in the Cabinet War Rooms, um, supplying confidential information to the Commanders-in-Chief, including uh, Churchill. Someone else is cited as an inspiration is a lady called Joan Howe, who was Fleming's secretary at the Times, and she typed up the manuscript of Casino Royale. So that one, to me, seems a bit questionable because if he'd already written her in Casino Royale... How could she be the inspiration for the character? But I guess he already knew her before then. Yeah, that that's that's a, that's a few of the people that have claimed uh, the character is 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 based on. I mean, in the book, the relationship between Bond and Money Penny is sort of strictly relation uh, strictly professional. Um, but there's just a sort of understanding between Money Penny and Bond that um, uh, she just understands him in a way that that no one else does. Um, and in later books there's a sort of a romantic chemistry sort of starts to build between them that's never acted on. And that becomes the basis for the character in the films. Um, in the books also, he's got a, uh, a secretary called Loella Ponsonby, um, who 
sort of has a similar role to Money Penny, and in the films, I think they sort of um, amalgamate the two of them. But that's the the origins of the fictional Miss Money Penny. But let's have a look at the movie versions. So the first movie version was played by Lois Maxwell. Just going to touch on Lois Maxwell's career. She was born Lois Hooker and she grew up in Ontario in Canada. And so early on, when she was 15, she actually ran away from home and she enlisted in the Canadian Army. And she became part of the Army Entertainment Corps. So she would travel through Europe um, during the Second World War. And they would perform dance numbers and uh, they would do songs um, to entertain the troops. Upon returning to London, so the group she was part of got to London, they discovered her actual age. And so to, so she didn't have to go back to Canada. She was discharged and enrolled at RADA, where she became friends with Roger Moore. She completed that, and then when she was 19 or 20, she moved to Hollywood, where she had relative sort of early success in a supporting role in a film called That Hagen Girl, which also starred Shirley Temple and Ronald Reagan. Um, She actually won Most Promising Newcomer at the Golden Globes. And then moving forward, she was in Lolita in 1961. Do either of you remember that, her her role in that? Yes, I do, yes. And then she was in... Throughout the 60s, she was in shows like The Saint, um, Randall and Hopkirk, Deceased, The Persuaders. Uh, with The Saint and The Persuaders, actually, she appeared alongside Roger Moore. Um, mm. She also provided the voice of a character called Atlanta in Stingray. Here we yes. go. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Back to Jerry. How do we get to Bond? Well, she had a difficult time in the early 60s her husband had suffered a heart attack so they were low on money and Terence Young actually turned her down because he said that (laughs) this is a ridiculous quote she looked like she smelled of soap (laughs) I mean Hmm. what do you what do you do do with that (laughs) um so offered so rather than being a bond girl offered her Miss Moneypenny or Sylvia Trench but she wasn't that comfortable of being in revealing outfits and especially in, in Doctor No, she's in Sylvia Trench's in that um in one of his shirts, isn't she? Pretty much that's it, it's all she wears. So yeah, she she took the role of Money Penny instead, which was two days work at the rate of one hundred pounds a day. And she actually supplied her own clothes for that. Interesting that you say about the the sort of the romantic undertones. Because there's a quote here from Lois Maxwell. And she said, Sean and I and Terence decided on the background of the relationship between James Bond and Miss Moneypenny that when he was a tea boy, she was in a secretarial pool. They'd gone off together for a lovely bank holiday weekend to a rose-covered cottage and had fully appreciated each other's qualities. (laughs) But she realised that if she allowed herself to fall in love with him, he would probably break her heart. If he allowed to fall in love with her, he'd never get his double O. So that was the background of their cosy-ups in the Mm. office. And that they really adored each other, but on the other hand, they're ambitious people. So they decided on that, and then that they're able to play that sort of no, knowing that that was the background. So that's quite interesting, and probably why we get such a good uh, chemistry between the two characters. 
She also talks about the first time she met Connery. She said, I had first met Sean in Cubby's office back at the beginning. He had that wonderful atmosphere of menace and moved, as Cubby said, like a panther. But he was still a poor young actor in a rumpled corduroy who looked like he lived in a bedsit. <laughs> he had to be taught everything from how to dress, where to buy shirts and table manners. His Scottish accent was ironed out. In Doctor No, they had to film his dialogue one line at a time. Blimey. So it's re- remarkable. It's probably the reason why they did one film a year for for four years. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> um so, yeah, in terms of taking the role, she said, Miss, Miss Moneypill was the smallest part I've ever played, and I did it when my children were very young, and my husband was very sick, and I was very poor. So she had reasons for taking it, and, and like we've discovered, she you know hasn't had much on-screen time, so the, the actual shoot days wouldn't have been that much at all. In 1967, she appeared in Operation Kid Brother, also known as OK Connery, with a lot of Bond alumni. So Bernard Lee's in it as well, and Sean Connery's brother, Neil. So in terms of Moneypenny, Lois Maxwell plays a very aggressive Moneypenny who actually has a machine gun. (laughs) Uh, So can you imagine her official Moneypenny ever using a machine gun? No. No. In that same year, so in 1967, she played Moneypenny in a TV special called Welcome to Japan, Mr. Bond, uh, which co-starred Kate O'Mara and Desmond Llewellyn. Uh, have either of you ever seen this? No. no. Right, so I watched this earlier. It's on YouTube. You can you can watch it there. It's, it's quite good, actually, because it was made in time for the release of You Only Live Twice. It's basically a match-of-the-day-style highlights package of the previous films that wow. have come before it sounds perfect so it is it is quite interesting she's just sat at her desk explaining to somebody else who works there um what bond's like and then they show clips it's 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 well worth a look because it just collates it How all long in, is it? in one place an hour Blimey. um so in terms of the role of money penny yeah it was nearly recast we've talked about this in, in the diamonds are forever episode so you can go back and listen to that um so it was nearly recast, but because of the confusion with you know the bonds changing, we just had Lazenby. We come back to Connery. They wanted some form of continuity, um, so they agreed the pay dispute, and then it was too late on, so they had to sort of cobble together a scene. Um, so. The scene where they're at the port and Connery uh, and Bond is on the way to Holland. Uh, they're not actually there together in, in the same place, um, which we did discuss in that episode. Um, Guy Hamilton said about that, with Miss Money, Penny and Lois Maxwell, we got to Diamonds Are Forever. I thought we must get her out of the office. So we managed to cook up a scene where Bond is at the border posing as someone else and she shows up as a customs officer and they have this really nice exchange. But yeah, so that's, that's Money, Penny... Up until 1971. Well, speaking of the most memorable money pennies, <laughs> this one isn't. Um, Barbara, I don't even know why we've got this. Barbara Boucher from Casino Royale 1967. Now, do you remember her in that film? No. Uh, no. No, I had to rewatch her scenes uh, to remember who she was. Um, she play. You'll remember one of the scenes she was in. She's she's the uh, character who is trying to find Coop, 
So there's that big lineup of yes. potential. And so she kisses them all. Yes. Right. And Coop is the best kisser. So they end up shacking up. Um, but yeah, so, but she is apparently the daughter of the original Money Penny. I'm presuming the one who worked for, with David Niven. Right. Um, she's not really in it that much. She does a, a, a couple of scenes early on. And then I think she comes back later on during that ridiculous chaos scene at the end <laughs> where everyone's just fighting randomly. Um, so there's not really much to go on with the story uh, of Casino Royale. I, can't, I don't know if we went into too much depth about her in the original um, podcast we did about it, but um, yeah, presumably there's something in there. So if you're desperately interested to find out more, go to that <laughs> podcast. Um, but I wouldn't bother. Um, but interestingly, uh, there's not a lot about Barbara Boucher uh, talking about Bond. Um, there is an interesting couple of interesting stories in Nobody Does It Better where she talks about the casting for the role um, and she's, it's this really long story which is quite a horrible story really where she's basically trying to get roles in some films and she keeps getting invited by the producers of the films to like oh come to Paris and we'll do a casting session but they're basically trying to get her to the hotel room and it happens I think two or three times oh god uh, yeah, um, and every one of them is just like, oh, uh, we'll just go to my hotel room first before we go and see the like the director and everything. Uh, so eventually she speaks to Charlie Kaufman and he's he chats to her. I think on a plane they meet and they chat. And um, she does a bit of reading of the, on the plane and I think he offers it to her and she says, yeah, I'll take it straight away. Um, and that's how she, she got the, the role in the film. But quite a long and twisted not very nice story behind it. Uh, one nice story uh, from Barbara Boucher working on Casino Royale is uh, when she was in London. She um, she wasn't from London. She was, she, I think she lived in various places. Uh, she was actually originally from G- Germany. I know she wasn't. She was from Czechoslovakia. I'll go into that in a minute. But basically, she was in in England, and she it suddenly it was sunny one day, so she decided she had to get out and sunbathe, um, and she went to Hyde Park. So she was in a bikini. She got arrested um, because this was 1966, 67. Uh, so he probably weren't allowed to do that. Um, so she came back and David Newman says, look, if you want to enjoy the sun, come with me to my family home in south of France, where his family were at the time. So David Niven used to go back there like whenever he wanted. As part of his contracts, he could just go there whenever he liked. So he just fly back for two days, two or three days. So he said, if you come with me, you know, they're not going to have a go at you because you're with me. And if, if I'm not there, then nothing's getting done so she went over there um she spent a few days with him uh, and the family and she got she just sunbathed the whole time so when she came back she had a tan that was like far darker than the shots that she did beforehand so they had to postpone the film shooting until she got rid of the tan um just one of the many things happening on that set that just created more money you think how ridiculous the pricing or the costing of that film was and you you have to hold off shooting because somebody's got a tan because they've been sunbathing too much but that's Casino real uh, all over. It's not really a surprise. Uh, so a little bit about her uh, her life and who she is. So she is uh, she's classed as a German-American person. Uh, she was born in 1943. She has been in quite a lot of film and television episodes over the time. A little bit more about that in a bit. But in more recent years, she has um, produced fitness videos and books, and she has a fitness studio. She was born in uh, Reichenberg, which is part of Czechoslovakia, that um, uh, is part of Czech Republic now. 
And after World War II, she was placed in a resettlement camp uh, in the American occupation zone in Germany. Uh, and eventually they got permission to move to the United States. Uh, one of her first roles was um, in a show called the KPIX or KPIX Dance Party, where she was just basically a dancer. Um, and she was on there for like three years before um, eventually moving more into the, the film industry. Um, she changed her name. Um, what was her original name? Barbara Gutschke to um, Barbara Boucher because uh, she thought it would sound better and more continental. And then she had a successful modelling career uh, where she actually appeared semi-nude in a couple of editions of Playboy magazine. So yeah, uh, for fear of being typecast, and I'm assuming it's for roles like the one that she had in Casino Royale, uh, she moved to Italy and started making films uh, over there. Uh, So the films that she's been in, not many that... The only one that I I know of, apart from Casino Royale 67, because a lot of them are Italian or quite old, not very well-known films, she was in Gangs of New York in 2002. That's the only film I'd heard of from the list that um, she'd been in. But in television, she had done quite a bit. So she was in uh, The Man From Uncle. Um, She's in Star Trek, the original series. And I think she plays quite an important character. She's quite early on. um, But that's probably led to more of the typecasting stuff because we all know what the women in Star Trek were like with (laughs) Captain Kirk. Not really much to go on there. um, But, yeah, definitely not a a memorable part of the Money Penny um, history uh one that you neither of you remembered so uh, yeah that's barbara boucher casino royale 67 back to lois maxwell so as we know lois maxwell continued as uh, miss money penny uh throughout all seven roger moore james bond films so it makes um their bond money penny relationship the most enduring um screen partnership for the characters um that like i said they already knew each other from rada and she said in an interview once that one time he played henry v and i played his uncle with a long red beard so that's an image for you um Mm. we were great pals even then at the age of 17 as bond he had a very hard act to follow and he did he did an excellent job although he's best at playing Cary grant type comedy roles her favorite of roger's dramatic roles she said was in gold um, as Brendan mentioned, they'd appeared in The Saint and The Persuaders together. I'll sort of skip over this bit a little bit because we'll cover um, all of Roger's films at some point. Um, but in, in Octopussy, you'll probably remember that Money Penny is given an assistant, uh, Penelope Smallbone. Um, he's played. Yes, we, yeah. we had a chat about this earlier. We were thinking, I wonder if he's going to mention that. But yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, played by Michaela Clavel, um, who apparently is the daughter of the filmmaker James Clavell, who wrote 1958's The Fly, The Great Escape, and Shogun, which became a TV miniseries and video game. So there you go. Mm. Um, But thinking back uh, on this, um, obviously having a younger model brought in um, for Octopussy in 1983, which, like, what, is 20 years since she started playing the role, uh, Lois Maxwell recalled... I suppose I was jealous of the girl, subconsciously at least. Um, And she thought, right, this is the push. Next, it will be the shove. I had to introduce her to Roger when he came in as Bond. Perhaps it was the shock of having some new dialogue. But when it came out, but what came out was James, may I introduce my assistant, Miss Smallbush? Roger didn't miss a beat. He had these carnations in his hands and he just let them droop. And he said, money, Penny, we all know where your mind is at. So classic Roger Moore. 
um, mm. wit there. Um, but obviously, I think the filmmakers were thinking of making Penelope Smallbone a recurring character, someone who could take over from Lois Maxwell. Uh, but this never happened. Uh, she only appeared that once and was never seen again. Mm. So for The Living Daylights, obviously she returned for A View to a Kill, but for The Living Daylights, the decision was made that at 60 years old, Lois Maxwell was getting too old to play Money Penny. So looking back on this experience, Maxwell said, one night Cubby called up and said, I'm sorry, Lois, but we won't be using you in the next Bond film. I wanted to let you uh, tell you myself and I didn't want you to just get a letter or hear about it in the press. And that was very kind of him. I said, well, I realise it would be sort of silly to be making goo-goo eyes at Timothy Dalton. But... She wasn't going down without a fight and she suggested at this point that she could stay on and play M. She said, I want to play M. Bond can arrive at Moneypenny's office to find a new secretary and he'll say, you're not Miss Moneypenny. And then he looks at her watch and says, Commander Bond, you're late for your appointment with M. You better get in there immediately. She goes through the door and there is Moneypenny. Um, I thought the public would really like it. But Cubby said, isn't going to work, Lois, because traditionally the head of MI5 has always been a man. And to which Lois replied, traditionally, the Prime Minister of Great Britain has always been a man. Um, so um, that was obviously when Thatcher was in power. So just to sort of wrap up on Lois Maxwell and her personal life, like you said, her husband, Peter Marriott, had been uh, quite poorly in the 1960s and he actually never recovered fully and died in 1973. And she returned to her home in Canada to live there. And she actually wrote a weekly column for the Toronto Sun from 1979 to 1994 under the name of Miss Moneypenny. And while in Canada, she worked in the textile industry. But in 1994, she returned to live in the UK to be near her daughter, Melinda. Her last film role came in the 2001 film, The Fourth Angel, opposite Jeremy Irons and Jason Priestley. And in 2001, she had cancer surgery and moved to Perth, Australia to be near her son, Christian. And then in 2007, she died aged 80. And talking to the BBC at the time, Roger said Roger Moore said she was always fun, and she was she was wonderful to be with. She was absolutely perfect casting. It was a great pity that after I moved out of Bond, they didn't take her on to continue in the Timothy Dalton films. Call me old-fashioned if you will, but there'll only ever be one Miss Moneypenny for me. So there you have it. Lois Maxwell's time came to an end with A View to a Kill. Yeah, I, talking about the money penny that we think of as as the, the money penny i think i i don't think it's mac lois maxwell the whole time because i do think that roger roger years are a strange dynamic between those two yes and it, it shifts quite a bit in the sean connery years it, this dynamic is always the same and it works but in the roger moore ones i think especially in the earlier ones it's it it looks strange because she does look older than him when he first starts. He first comes in to play Bond, and then later on, when he looks old and she looks old, it's another strange dynamic because it really draws attention to the fact that the the women he's sort of having these relationships with are significantly younger. It it, it like sort of dr- drives it home for me that he he probably should be with um, with Money Penny at that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. It's weird because I was I've been watching Moonraker a bit recently because we're doing that as an episode soon, and um, she's significantly obviously uh, well, she's like 20, 30, 20 years older than she is when we've seen her in Doctor No from Russia with Love, um, yeah. and it's noticeable. 
Um, I mean, it works, but I think they're right yeah. to recast it when they went younger with Timothy Dalton, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's charming. It's just when it, the Sean Connery ones, you can see that he does he could find her attractive, and it could just be the the situation they're in that stops them from doing it. But in the Roger Moore ones, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like he's just being nice a lot of the time, and she knows it, and it's like, oh, James. Um, right, but yeah, it's de- definitely a, a strange. It's an interesting one to follow the dynamic over the course of the films between those two. Yeah. Coffee, medium sweet. Two medium sweet. Thanks for listening. We hope you're enjoying the James Bond A to Z podcast. Remember, if you want to support the show, we have a coffee page at ko fi dot com forward slash james bond a to z where you can buy us a coffee for just three pounds or for three pounds a month thanks for listening back to the show what's the matter i don't feel so good i feel so sleepy damn coffee is that all it does So on to Never Say Never Again, which really is technically <laughs> an official Eon movie, but we'll cover it here. Uh, so Money Penny was played by Pamela Salem, a British actor who was born in India. She had been in the the first Great Train Robbery alongside Sean Connery prior to this, and her her Money Penny is is not really on screen that long at all and comes after he's just been told that he's got to erase free radicals if you remember that yeah before he goes Uh, to the spa yes and she shows a lot of concern the wrong sort of concern really she's so worried it's quite a naive portrayal of money penny um so there's nothing really to talk about it's such a small role uh in terms of the rest of her career She's been in Doctor Who, so Butler, you'll probably recognise her. Probably a massive fan. (laughs) She was in The Robots of Death. She played Twos. And she was in Remembrance of the Daleks in 1988 as Professor Rachel Jensen. Mm. Oh, now you mention it, yeah. A role that she actually played in the audio dramas, uh, the more recent audio dramas. Um, And she auditioned for the fourth Doctor's companion, Leela but that went to Louise Jameson. Don't know which fourth doctor is. Tom Baker is the only one I know. Is that him? Yeah, fourth doctor, yeah. Yay, got it. <laughs> so, yeah, th- not not a lot really there, unfortunately. Sorry. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I, when, you, when you mentioned Never Say Never Again, I was trying to think, is there actually a money penny? Is she called Money Penny? Surely she can't be... Yeah, yeah, he... Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, remember, McClory had the rights. Oh, of course, so they're allowed yeah. to. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I looked at a book picture as you were talking, and uh, I'm still on the wiser. Very, very brief, isn't it? It is. So it literally is that conversation. That's it. It's like one, one line. Okay, so let's go into another, perhaps less memorable, <laughs> Miss Muddy Penny. I'm, I'm assuming this, but uh, let's let's just verify. Caroline Bliss. Uh, Caroline Bliss was the Money Penny that it took over uh, when uh, Dalton came in for Living Daylights and Licence to Kill. She was starring against Timothy Dalton at the age of 26 in this, so they obviously they brought in a significantly younger uh, Money Penny than uh, they had previously had with Lois Maxwell. I think from 
from my view, and I've just watched a load of clips about her, she sort of is still in the same mould as what you expect from Money and Penny. They haven't really gone away from the original style of it very much. Um, and for me, it doesn't work particularly well. Uh, according to Bliss, uh, it was her... She came up with the idea to wear glasses to distance herself from the uh, from Lois Maxwell's portrayal of Money Penny. Not sure that's really maybe should have gone a few steps further for that. So yeah, so I, I don't go too much in depth about what she was like in in the actual films. I think for me, it's just a bit flat. Really, there's there's no real chemistry between her and and Dalton. She she's got this sort of air of um, being really serious and just very formal with him doesn't feel cheeky doesn't feel relaxed um and yeah you just don't i think there's a point where he slaps her you don't see him actually slap her but you can hear the slap just seems odd she doesn't seem to enjoy it or doesn't seem to mind it she just carries on what she's doing so interestingly she actually uh, this will come up in a bit she was actually childhood friends with samantha bond who took over from her in the role and she um didn't really know about this until um she took over but because they had been friends for a long time um since they were 11 years old apparently she was very complimentary about um samantha bond taking over and she says uh, i'm just glad it's gone to someone i love and who needs the money little bit about caroline bliss uh, she was born in 1961 um and she trained at the bristol old vic theater um she uh, was the granddaughter of a composer called Sir Arthur Bliss, who was apparently former master of the Queen's music. Um, and she's married to an author and actor called Andy Seacombe. Butler, do you know who Andy Seacombe is? Not off the top of my head. He is uh, plays. He's the voice of Watto in Star Wars. Oh, here we go. There we go. So you really should have known that. <laughs> um, uh, the, so her filmography. Do fine. She, her filmography is not <laughs> particularly exciting. There's a few bits and pieces in there. Um, she was in a, a film called Charles and Diana, playing Diana. Obviously, she she she, she looks like she'd be good at the role of Diana. I'm not going to watch it. I've never seen it. She was in Ruth Rendell, A Case of Coincidence, but apart from that, nothing really major in terms of uh, filmography career but she did do quite a lot in theatre so she did Blood Brothers she did Romeo and Juliet The Invisible Man and The Night They Raided Minsky's so um, not a massive career but that's all I've got on uh, Caroline Bliss what are your views on Caroline Bliss? Like I said I think you're, I think you're right I think she's not she's too close in style to Lois Maxwell um, mm. to make too much of an impression I think there's a level of it where the money penny, and obviously they cast her at the same time as Dalton, so they he she would have been cast for Dalton, where you cast the. But money... would she though? Because Dalton came in late, wasn't didn't he? Well, maybe, but I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure if she was a big enough role to not change for a different Bond. But even even then, if you look at the some of the earlier bonds it seems like like the connery one they clearly work together they've they've chosen a, an actor who can play off bond and it feels natural i think in this case it looks like they've chosen one that could work opposite dalton and feel natural but if you think about it dalton would be very formal he he, he wouldn't be able to do what connery and maxwell do because he's just not like that um so maybe maybe they got they wanted her to be more formal and a little bit more uh, you know, straight. Then, um, then so that so it works alongside Dalton. But yeah, I just I just feel like it doesn't feel like they there's any sort of relationship there. I'd have liked to have seen her play opposite 
Roger Moore, forty-year age gap. He'd have just made the fun out of, made fun of her, wouldn't he? That would have worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go, Caroline Bliss. Yeah, and Caroline Bliss lasted, like I said, two films, and then when it was time for a reboot for GoldenEye, a new Money Penny was brought in and played by Samantha Bond. Now we covered a fair bit of this in our GoldenEye episode, so you can go back to that. Um, but yeah, just as a, as a summary, born it, she was born in 1961 and is the daughter of the actor Philip Bond and TV producer producer Pat Sundys. She was brought up in London and studied acting at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Um, has had a very, very good stage and screen career. She's um, well known for appearing in Rumpole of the Bailey, Miss Marple, and has worked extensively at the RSC. She played Juliet to Kenneth Branagh's Romeo in one of her early RSC roles, and Lady Macbeth to Sean Bean's Macbeth. Mm. Sean Bean, who obviously would later appear with her in Goldeneye. Talking about playing Money Penny, she said nobody was going to knock me playing Money Penny if Judy was playing M. She raised the credibility for everyone. Um, but like you say, she knew Caroline Bliss, so she said that she wouldn't take the role until, or she wouldn't, didn't want them to announce it until she had a chance to speak to Caroline herself. Because um, like you said, they'd known each other from school and also they'd also been to the Bristol Old Vic together. Caroline Bliss said that when she got the role, she avoided her for a few weeks. And they said, I'm so sorry, darling. I'm so sorry. And then I burst out laughing. She said, look, I'm hoping to become a mum and I'm thrilled it's going to be one, thrilled it's going to be one of my best friends playing Money Penny. So... Uh, Samantha Bond said that she had been asked to audition for The Living Daylights to play Money Penny, but had been discouraged by her agent. But the Money Penny that Samantha Bond plays is, um, I guess it's an update of the character for the 90s. We've got a new M, who is Judy Dench, who uh, doesn't suffer Bond's BS um, easily. The fact that she's a woman makes a difference in their relationship. You know, she calls him a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. And this sort of empowers Money Penny to be more of a, um, I think she describes it as a sparring partner for Bond. Mm. And so um, there's a bit more of an adversarial quality to their relationship. And again, as like Lois Maxwell, Samantha Bond said, if you rolled all four Bond films into one, it's still the smallest part I've ever played. But it's the character that's iconic rather than anything I did with it. Um, and actually on the first film, GoldenEye, it just took her two hours to film her, her part. Uh, interestingly, though, she did also read the audiobook for John Gardner's GoldenEye novelization. So if you want more of Samantha Bond, you can check that out. In fact, she does a lot of audiobooks, um, which is uh, quite interesting. Great voice. She returned. Great voice. Yeah. Mm. She returned as Money Penny in Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough and in Die Another Day, where famously she finally gets to be the Money Penny that kisses James Bond. Oh, Ridiculous. Does she? I was hoping you weren't going to talk about this. In virtual reality, yeah. which for me, I think is a huge disservice to the character. It's an unnecessary <laughs> yeah. delving into a character that you don't need, isn't it? Just yeah. just doing it, doing it because they could. Yeah. Yeah. Rather yeah. Than because it makes sense. Yeah. And I think it was quite a late addition to the script. So as we talked about on Dying of the Day, there was a lot of meddling with that story as it was being made. A lot of unnecessary adjustments to it. And that's why it sort of is a bit of a shambles in the end. But. Talking about it not long after, I think it was in 2006 she was talking about it. She says, I'm the only one who got the snog and I think that's important and I hope to hold that mantle for a long, long time. It's always sad that one has to reflect that it was in fact a fantasy sequence. Mm. But yeah, I just wanted to say actually, in terms of the relationship between Money, Penny and Bond in general, 
is there do you think it's like genuinely romantic or is it just like harmless flirting i, I think there's got to be an element of i don't think it's romantic i don't think either of them is really like you know besotted with the other one or harbors any deep desires but i think there has to be a certain level of attractiveness between them to make it believable so you, yeah. you've got to believe that you know they could but they don't want to really um it's just something they have in the back of the head but you've i, I think it's a game of tug of war yeah basically because it, way, it, but... de- depending on on what film you watch one of them is either more keen than the than the other uh, like if money penny's willing to Oh, let's let's make plans then, and then Bond will back off, and or Bond will. There yeah. are scenes where Bond says, "Yeah, let's let's do something." Oh, well, I, well, I can't. So it's. I think they're just yeah. playing each other. But off. I, I think off. he's he's always, you know, she, she, you know what he's like. He's 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 never ever going to act on anything he actually says because mm. he's he's not that bothered. He's yeah. got other things to do. Whereas there's a chance that she would, but she knows that. He's like she's always too smart to to real to to make that mistake, isn't she? To 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 even do anything, and that's when I think it works best. And I think Samantha Bond is excellent at it because they have some. Her and Brosnan have a lovely relationship, especially in the earlier films. And you could, it's believable. It's it's like they do they do get on. They're sort of like uh, like mates that have a little bit of a spark for each other but also sort of dislike each other a little bit and it just works very well yeah the um the scene did you watch the clip of the money penny clip in tomorrow never dies when they're in the car no and they're talking about pumping her for information yes oh yeah, yeah. Pump, pumping paris carver for information and, and money penny says well you just have to decide how much pumping you're going to do and then puts the the window up and it's like it's fantastic because it's just as sassy yeah as well, as Bond is. What's that most most famous line where I, I, I can't remember what he says? It's when Bond's in Cambridge. No, where she ends up says, uh, "As far as I am aware, you've never been on me." That's Goldeneye, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, there's that when he's talking to the what is it the the, lang, the linguist in, uh, uh, in uh, Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Danish. Yeah. Yeah, I'm brushing yeah, up on the little Danish. Oh, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Actually, let's pick that point up when we come to like the future of Money Penny, um, because I think there's a lot to talk about there. But um, uh, after uh, Die Another Day, she had hoped to make a fifth Bond film with Piers Brosnan, and she told Andrew Marr in 2006, "I think he probably would have, and if he had done the fifth, it would. I would have been delighted to have done it with him, but it didn't. I didn't want to um, go on without him. So she was happy that when." the series rebooted that they um yeah she wasn't called back to do any more so since then she's appeared um many times on lots of different things worked with judy dench quite a few times she's appeared um in the david hare play amy's view but yeah so they were in that play on the west end before moving uh, before it moved to broadway and she actually got a tony nomination for that she sort of reprised money penny in 2004 have you seen this so there's a video that the London Olympic bid made in 2004, selling the benefits of having the Olympics in London. And she's on uh, the Thames with Roger Moore. I saw this. I've not gives, watched it. I, I saw the screen grab you sent. Yeah. So she gives him a briefcase and there's sort of like this uh, look between them that like, you know, she's giving him secret intelligence or whatever. And they look, they look stood over the bridge and she opens up the briefcase. They both look in and the reveal is it's Bond sandwiches and a banana. Um, and that's the joke. <laughs> so she sort of reprised the role mm. in 2004. 
Um, after Bond, she's appeared in uh, Distant Shores, uh, which apparently is a very popular drama that got cancelled after two series. Uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures, that's a Doctor Who spin-off. She's also been in Midsummer Murders, Heartbeat, New Tricks, Silent Witness, Outnumbered. And then probably most famously, she was Lady Rosamond Painswick in Downton Abbey from 2010 to 2015. Yes. And she's going to be in the new Downton Abbey movie, right. which is out this year, if you're listening in 2022. So that is Samantha Bond. But Samantha Bond, I will say, I think she's great as, as Money Penny. She is memorable. I'll give her that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, on to the Money Penny Diaries. The what? Uh, it's official uh, canon. This of the Inflowing Publications. It's um, it's a series of short novels and uh, some like uh, novella stories that go through the life of Miss Moneypenny. So it's written from a pers- perspective of, of an editor. There's like an editor that has compiled all these together. Um, it's Samantha Weinberg, the author, writing under the pseudonym of Kate Westbrook, who is this fictional editor. Um, and there's a trilogy of novels uh, first off. So starting from 2005, the first one was called Guardian Angel. And this fills in gaps between Honor Majesty's Secret Service and You Only Live Twice. And pads out a full backstory for Moneypenny. And that's where we are. it's revealed that Moneypenny's first name is Jane. Mm. Then in 2006, the Moneypenny Diaries Secret Servant. So this was at the time of The Man with the Golden Gun. So you've got the Secret Service is in absolute turmoil with an official being on tra- trial for treason and being defected to Russia. So that follows her throughout that and then in the last one it's called final fling and this fictional editor kate westbrook is trying to publish these diaries but everyone that she speaks to about them is trying to stop her so that's the the concept of that so that's quite interesting quite an interesting angle to go at and then there's two short stories what the first one was published in tatler in november 2006 issue it's called for your eyes only james and this is about a weekend shared between Bond and Moneypenny um, in 1956. So similar to what Lois Maxwell had idea about the backstory that she, she had. And then the other one was published in 2006 issue of The Spectator. It's called Moneypenny's First Date with Bond. As you can imagine, relays the story of the time they first meet. Mm. That's the Moneypenny Diaries, which I'm sure will be coming to Amazon pretty soon. <laughs> Yeah, surprise me. <laughs> okay, going on to the most recent Money Penny, and that is Naomi Harris, uh, one that needs little introduction for probably anyone listening to this because um, she has been Money Penny for the last three films. Um, and interestingly she's probably the money penny that really has changed the most uh, over the course of the, the the series she initially turns up in skyfall and she's actually a field agent as you remember the start go through the start of that whole film but by the end of the opening sequence she ends up shooting bond and he disappears so she's in the rest of that film and by the end of it you find out that she is actually money penny because you don't know that at the start she's just called eve earlier on in the film and during the process of her being involved in 
the in the Skyfall film, they kept that very secret um, up until the point where the film really came out. So um, there was speculation around the fact that she'd been cast as Miss Moneypenny, but it was never confirmed by anyone. Uh, and even um, Naomi Harris dismissed it whenever she was asked uh, in, a, in the early days. I don't think it was a surprise. Uh, I, I remember watching that and I, I don't think I initially thought it. I didn't didn't really plan it but you kind of worked out midway through that she probably would be and yeah she's very good she plays a sort of um i suppose more mobile money penny she's actually involved she's a field agent isn't she she was a field agent and then she became the money pen- penny that we know um by the end of the skyfall so in skyfall Spectre and No Time to Die. She is a lot more involved with actual goings on. She still sort of turns up and stuff. She's she's not in the works in the workplace. She's in the office all the time, but she gets involved with his things. He's going on outside of it because she sort of does secret stuff with her Q. So she's quite heavily involved in the plot, and she's actually a you know a fundamental character in driving the plot forward, as opposed to just being a character that sits at a desk and speaks to Bond a couple of times. So gets a little bit more screen time than pretty much any other. Uh, money penny that's existed a few bits on it so she apparently she knew the ending of no time to die quite early on she was one of the few people that uh, had the real script and apparently some people didn't get the real ending um so they couldn't leak what had happened at the end of the film so she says she was very proud and very honored that they trusted her with that uh interestingly she thinks that olivia coleman would make a perfect money penny in a follow-up film Although she has said she'd love to continue playing Money Penny if she if she had an opportunity to. A couple of things. Uh, this is quite a big quote, but it's a really useful one from Barbara Broccoli, where she says uh, the character of Eve Money Penny, uh, as written, was basically a field agent with a lot of sass. But it wasn't until Naomi came in that we really saw the potential that this character would, could be something entirely new in terms of Bond films. She's very resourceful. She gives Bond a real hard time, but you still manage to have a tremendous affection for her. And there is a wonderful flirtatiousness between them. She can hold her own with Bond. She's an extraordinary actress. And Sam Mendes says, In recent years, the Bond films have featured two girls, one an exotic type and the other a homegrown type. Naomi manages to be both. So in terms of the Bond legacy, I think she's probably one of... You were talking earlier, Butler, about what's the Bond you... Which is the money penny you think about when you think about Bond. And for the last 20 years, anybody who's come in at that point that's Naomi Harris, isn't it? She's the one that that people think of as as Money Penny, and uh, I say twenty years, probably about fourteen years, because she wasn't in the first two. But before then, she's got a she's got quite an illustrious career. Um, she started uh, as a child act actor, and she was in Simon and the Witch in nineteen eighty seven. Um, and she's been in lots of other things. She was in Twenty Eight Days Later. She was in the Pirates of the Caribbean films as Callisto, I believe. Yeah, she was like a mystic, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, Winnie Mandela uh, in Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. Um, she was also, and I didn't know this. Um, t- oh, no, I did know. So uh, she plays Shriek in uh, Spider-Man, uh, in Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, she was also starred in Moonlight, um, which is a bit of a big deal, that one. Oscar nominated for that. Yeah, and I think she got a number of nominations for that, Golden Globe, BAFTA, and an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Act- Actress. Uh, she got an OBE in 2017 uh, for services to drama, so doing a damn fine job. She a little bit about her uh, earlier life. She was she's born in 1976 in Islington. Her mother was a screenwriter on EastEnders, um, oh. and she also went to Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Very strange oh, link. Same as the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Very strange link. It's almost like they've got a, a money penny 
lesson schedule on there at some point. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, at 11, she was diagnosed with scoliosis and it progressed into her teen years, which necessitated a spinal fusion. And apparently it took a month to fully recover and she had to learn to walk again. So aside from that, there's a few other films. After After the Sunset, uh, Collateral Beauty, Rampage. I haven't seen that one, but I think it's got the rock in it Rubbish. from memory. Yeah. Um, television, she was in The Tomorrow People in the, the 1992 version. I might go back and watch that. I keep, always think I need to rewatch a bit of The Tomorrow People. Uh, Dinotopia and The Man Who Fell to Earth. And That's a new one, isn't it? That's the sequel to... Um the David Bowie film. That's right. That's that's is that not out yet? That's coming out later this year. No, um, and or it's, it might be on the TV in America at the moment. I think. Okay, um, and then she's also been in 007 Legends of the Computer Game and Fable Three, which is a fantastic game. That came out in two thousand and ten, um, and she's done a little bit of theatre work as well, uh, including Frankenstein. So yeah, that's Naomi Harris, definitely one of the most interesting deviations for the for the money many put money penny character and one that they've clearly put a lot of thought into like they've really made made some effort into changing that character and and how how that, how that she works in the story what are your views on naomi harris's um money penny my feeling is with money penny uh, naomi harris's money penny is that the way that they reinvented her in skyfall became a rod for her back in that she came into uh, Skyfall as uh, a fully grown, a full grown character. You know, she was given a name. She was given a plot. Mm-hmm. She was integral to the story. You know, she was sort of working very closely with Bond throughout the movie. And they had a romantic liaison and all that sort of stuff. And then unfortunately, how do you relegate that to a background character? Mm-hmm. It's almost becomes doing a disservice to the character. Yeah. Um, it's like making someone, you know, the, 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 the co-lead and then telling them in the next film they're not welcome. So unfortunately, we you get with Spectre, um, you get that whole sort of, what's it called? The, like the Scooby-Doo mystery gang like element of the, all the people in MI6 working around Bond. Yeah, um, the only, the only people work. he works with. Yeah. And then, and then obviously in No Time to Die then you got a lot of complaints of, you know, Money Penny gets nothing to do. Mm. And actually she never did get anything to do yeah. in the previous films. And it's only because they elevated her so much in Skyfall. And that's not to say that Naomi Harris did a bad job with it. Mm. She did a terrific job and I think she's brilliant in Skyfall and she's one of the key elements in that. But uh, it's very hard then to come back from that and then sort of relegate her to a desk job, yeah. um, which she sort of gets like a lot of no time to die she's just sort of in the background hovering yeah you, you, you kind of want to go the other way don't you start her off on the desk and then by no time to die have a you know develop the character yeah if you're going to do that that's the way to do it because they didn't need to make her money penny either in skyfall no yeah. what, what, why why do that and also what watch the clip earlier the reveal is awful oh yeah mm. it's not very exciting is it no it's just it's really clunky dialogue actually mm. go, oh we've not formally been introduced you just kind of go come oh, on how are you okay yeah okay. suppose <laughs> that works. Well, it doesn't make it, it yeah it has no relevance to the story other no. than it referencing something there's that, a lot that, of skyfall that, the people in, that, that, yeah. that does that isn't it it's a big it's a big reveal film like you know here's q here's some other things that fans mm. will remember and like and yeah it's, it does muddy it a bit and it's a portender for the whole Blofeld thing, isn't it? Because, you know, oh, I'm Ernst Stavro Blofeld, and it means nothing in that film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah Inspector. Yeah. 
and it means nothing. Her being Money Penny really means nothing in in Skyfall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's that's my feeling. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I think had they have not not done that to her, had they have made her another character, they could have gone down such a much more interesting route. Well, it's almost like they she could have been a precursor to Nomi. In, in yeah, but that yeah. didn't really come out. She must be quite annoying to to be in the film with Nomi and go. Well, that's that's kind of what I'd do before. That's basically what. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that is um, Nomi Harris. Yes. Yeah, so I guess the just sort of to wrap things up then. What is the future um, for Money Penny? Because uh, obviously we don't know what the future for for James Bond is. But what's what is there left for for Money Penny to do? And um, does is there still a place for a character like that? in in the future of bond well um, i i think that the i think learn from skyfall and don't go down that route don't make it a thing don't don't make it like oh the fans will love to find that out oh, this is money penny don't do that either have her or don't have her from the start but i think there's a fundamental issue now with uh you know the way that we're viewing gender roles in films and stuff like that that you it's almost like an outdated role to have uh, um sort of assistant to m um so i think it would have to be it would have to be changed whether it's a man or you know they change it in some way like that but i think going just going back to the old format of a bond and a woman that works for m who has a slight relationship with them i don't think it sits very well in the modern day it's problematic isn't it it's just mm. very simple it oversimplifies it and yeah, it's it's an old style thing, a receptionist basically, who fancies the yeah. cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a well worn joke, isn't it? That's that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, you, been you dragged out. You could do it and just remove the romanticism and 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 have it like a, you know, that th- that's not the point of it. But then would the world would it work? Does then it's just a you know another character who's well. Essentially, they did it in Casino Royale. It was Villiers, wasn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, there you go. That that shows how good that works because I've completely forgotten Villiers. <laughs> it it could. I think the way to do it, the only way to do it now, is to elevate the position of Money Penny beyond the secretary, right? So mm. make her more of a Tanner type character. Yeah. Um, so a chief of staff sort of person who liaises with M. On their behalf, on whoever plays M's behalf, yeah. and have their relationship. I think, I think changing Money Penny to a man, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Mm. Um, I think, you know, as as Eon always says, you know, Bond will always be a man. I feel like there needs to be that female character within MI6 um, mm. to break things up a bit. But there's no, I don't think there's any harm in the relationship between Bond and money penny being more like you know a work friends sort of relationship mm. one where there is sort of not an over like attraction between them but like a camaraderie between the two of them yeah i suppose that's it's kind like, of what they tried to do for most of naomi harris's tenure but the problem was is that they added the, t- the sexual nature of their relationship front and center in skyfall right yeah mm. Yeah, they're definitely Skyfall's the problem here, isn't it? With uh, with with that character, uh, thinking about it and what we talked through, I'm always I almost think that you don't need it. It's almost like if you do another Money Penny, 
in the next films, for most of the fans watching it, that's a callback to the Craig era, not a callback to the old era. And in that, if that's the case, you don't you don't need it because it's not like a legacy character. It's just, oh, is this the new Naomi Harris character? So I don't. I, maybe it's time to just change it up and try something a bit different. Didn't need it in Casino Royale, did it? Didn't miss it. No, no but then Casino Royale was was sort of. Um clearing the decks wasn't it mm. um and then skyfall was the legacy one wasn't it where it brought back everything together under one roof and yeah. you know sort of reminded fans of what they loved about the, the series but i think yeah i just think it was a misstep it works in that film but it becomes very hard it's like something yeah. that that you can say about a lot of the craig era which is that they paint themselves into a corner mm. with what is a what is possible and what is achievable yeah and and also um, if you've got a story arc, that, yeah. then it for, that's that's the problem. If if it's a one shot film, then Money Penny has to be what she's previously like, where it's the same character in each one. You can't develop the character in any way at all, anyway. Yeah. Well, my issue with the more recent films is the leaning on M Q Money Penny mm. without that feeling that there is a bigger double O section going on. Like yeah. remember the old films that always mention oh double O five has been killed. Yeah. And like you, you had this feeling that it was much bigger than that and we're just seeing a little snapshot of Bond going into Money Penny's office, going to see M and that all the other double O's are doing that. Mm. But we're yeah. just following Bond. Whereas the more recent Craig films, you just feel like that's it, it's just these four characters. Yeah. Yeah. What about if they went like a comedy route and they got like Someone like Miranda Hart to play Money Penny. Well, Olivia Coleman. <laughs> Olivia, I don't think Olivia Olivia Coleman could oh, be M, right? She could definitely Money be M. Penny. I, yeah, I, no. I think you could have an older that that would shake it up. An older Money Penny who's maybe an old field agent, and he's, she knows a lot more than Bond, so she's like a, a wiser. There's no sort of relationship. She's always making fun of him for his um, wily ways, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if the comedy route works. No comedy. I mean, I was only. I was playing devil, <laughs> devil's advocate there by suggesting comedy. Mm. Um, a really, what a really clumsy money penny falling yeah. over in the office. <laughs> yeah, like a like an Amy Schumer type. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or like a, a Bridget Jones type who always comes in like hungover and. Uh, That's got charm. Actually, has yeah, it got see charm? See what Renee Zellweger's doing. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'd love to hear other people's suggestions, like where they would like to see Money Penny go next. Like, can uh, can it ever go back to a Lois Maxwell type, where you know there's some harmless flirting between the two? I I just can't see that working anymore. No. I feel like society would it, it, reject it. It might work if you had, say, they went for a younger Bond, like quite a young Bond, and they had a young Money Penny, so they're sort of on the same level, and they're romantic sort of chatter isn't associated with any sort of levels of superiority or stuff i think that's problematic but say say it's a bond has just come out of the you know training and he you know he's he's just flirting with all these women who is a who's the same age as him that might work but there's, there's certainly a sort of issue with the you know people in positions of power and the secretarial staff which just doesn't sit well no 
maybe it's like what Lois Maxwell originally said, you know, they come up bond and money penny come up through training with each other. Yeah. If they do go like further back than we did with Casino Royale and yeah. it becomes a training, you know, bond being recruited, then money penny could be the one by his side. And that would almost become a way of building on that relationship through an, you know, a three to five film arc. So by the, fourth or fifth film money penny really does get to step into the fray and become the one that works mm. alongside bond that could be a way of doing it yeah right? the relationship you want is a harry and hermione to give you the harry potter reference what what what's this sorry <laughs> i wasn't expecting that <laughs> i was just trying to think of other like male female mm. roles where people have grown up together and like yeah that that's that where there's no no romantic at all well, what what about Mulder and Scully type? Will they? Won't they? That's still too. That's too much. Still it's too that's much. Too, that's too, yeah, you want. To, it's hard to get that balance, isn't it? And that's that's the. That's why it's easier just to go no, scrap it all. Yeah. But I feel like you have to have it. It's one of the cornerstones of the series, isn't it? Right, Casino Royale is one of the best films of the series, and it hasn't got Money Penny. That's uh, true. It's true, and it's true. Quantum. <laughs> no, don't use that as an example. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I guess people can um, send in their suggestions for who they'd like to see the, the, the new Money Penny and how they would like to to, to move things on. And please feel free um, to come up with a far better way to explain it than Harry and Hermione. I people will love that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so um, right, let's wrap things up there then. And um, yeah, if people want to email their suggestions for the future for Money Penny, where should they uh, email us? Podcast at jamesbond a to z uk. Uh, and if they want to find us on social media, to Beraters. At James Bond A to Z on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And as we've been banging on, uh, you can support the show on coffee by buying us a coffee for £3, one-off payment or... Uh, a recurring payment and that helps us just keep the show going uh, or a mint julep uh, or a mint julep or um yeah a havana cigar um that is ko-fi.com forward slash james bond a to z that's where you'll find us we are still on the letter m we've got more episodes to come on this current topic we're going a bit loose and free and easy on the on the running order at the moment so uh, it could be anything from roger moore to moonraker to the character m next so uh yeah keeping you on your toes um but thank you very much for listening if you've listened to this uh, all the way through we appreciate you please tell your friends about the james bonnet said podcast and leaves a rating on spotify and itunes and it just remains for me to say that the james bond a to z podcast will return next week catch you guys later Ciao. The James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy, and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley, with music by Tom Ingomels, and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly. Well, I must say you become more beautiful every day. I am over here. Well, of course you are. And this is Miss Penelope Smallbone, my new assistant. Miss Smallbone? What can I say, Money Penny? Except that she is as uh, attractive and as charming. As I used to be? I didn't say that. Oh, you're such a flatterer, James. Oh, Money Penny, you know there never has been and there never will be anybody but you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.